This episode of Smoking Section Podcast is brought to you by Crown Hit Cigars. Here we are, another episode of Smoking Section Podcast. I have here, I want to say, the third Canadian I've had on the podcast. That sounds like three too many. It sounds like three too many. There's too many of you guys. There's too many of you guys. Um, no, you guys are all so damn nice, too. I mean, it's just in our blood, I think. So we say. <laughs> Ollie. How are you, darling? Amazing. So much better now. I know, right? I texted you last week. First of all, you you are you have a record because you are the quickest person I've got on this podcast. Fuck yeah. Um, literally, I texted her last week. It was like, hey, let's hang out. Actually, no. Let me put you on the podcast. Yes, would love that. When is free? <laughs> <laughs> I just like to be honest. That's probably the quickest I've ever made something happen, too. So we're on the same page. We're doing so good. <laughs> it takes so long to make things happen, especially when it's like when you're texting. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I'm going to wait for this person to respond back. I'm going to hold this date, but I'm going to wait for this person to respond back. And then they, they sometimes I forget to respond back or they forget to respond back. And you're like, so should I? I literally have friends who like think we're not friends anymore because I forget to respond back. Like that's just where we're at in life. But I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Oh, it's, it's here's the thing. I have, this is going to sound really bad. It's going to sound really fucking bad. <laughs> so I, excited. I have, as of today, 309 unread messages. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I got to see mine now. <laughs> Um, 248 we're close <laughs> we're really close <laughs> we're pretty close here's the thing it's not that I'm ignoring people I leave them unread because I have every intention on reading them when you're in a moment where you can when I'm in a moment where I can't I don't like rushing people and no. it sounds like you don't either no no and it's like it's uh, but 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 three hundred nine. I now that I have to, now that I realize it's three hundred nine. I, I gotta go through that <laughs> shit. I gotta go through that. There's gonna be some text messages that I'm probably gonna have to be res- responding. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I'm getting back to you three weeks later. That was the most Canadian sorry I think I've heard out of your mouth ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm practicing. I've been practicing. I love it. I love it. So, what part of Canada are you from? From Edmonton, Alberta. So like north of Montana, but like north, north of north Montana. Edmonton. This is the first time we've actually hung out without without Paige. I know. Sweet Paige. Sweet the sweet Fillmores. Sweet Fillmores. I love them so much. God, I love them. So how long have you been in Nashville? You've been in Nashville for how long? It has been five years. Five years? Yeah, it goes by quick. Have you been gone back and forth? A little bit. I think the pandemic, I pretty much stayed here. Oh, okay. Because I feel like, you know, Nashville is, it's like, if you leave for any period of time, I feel like, especially if it's not for touring purposes, you like go to the back of the line. Say that one more time, because I think my family who listens to this podcast <laughs> needs to understand where I come from. Totally. No, it's a thing where like, as soon as you are not here grinding in front of people, they just forget about you and you start all over again. And it doesn't matter if it's like for a week or a weekend. No. Like it doesn't matter. It's like. I get, I get, you know, cursed up with my family. Like, why are you coming around? So like, blah, 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 blah. I used to, I, when I had my old car, I would be around like once a year. Mm-hmm. And it was basically to take my car to get registered, get tax renewed, shit like that. And, but it was one of those where it's like, I'm at a point now where if I leave for a week. It's, I, it's a long time. I, that, that's so, that's like a year of work. Totally. <laughs> that's well, 
And my parents, so for me to get home, it's typically about two flights. It's at least a 10 hour travel day. So that knocks two days off pretty much just in travel days. And my mom's like, oh, well, if you're coming, you're coming for three weeks because you got to make the travel worthwhile. And that's just, it's just not possible. And I love my family. I'm like big family person. Mm -hmm. My mom and I are on a phone call, same with my dad now, actually, like every single day. Mm -hmm. It's probably excessive at Mm -hmm. this point. But as soon as you leave Nashville, people just, they forget about you. It's And and it's crazy how quickly they forget about you because it's like, I'm on a plane. Okay, cool. Oh, absolutely. It's the same thing as releasing music. Yeah. Like you release music and you're so excited like day of releasing music and then you realize by like the next day people have already forgotten about you. Yeah. By the next Friday, you're gone. Yeah, you're old news. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like, I feel like you have to, you have to continue putting music out on a constant basis. Totally. Because if you don't, you're, you're forgotten. You're forgotten. When you have to, you have to kill it. Like the greatest example I have of that is it was literally just as the pandemic started. I had a song that landed on the Spotify Hot Country podcast mm-hmm. or playlist. And then that landed me on the viral top 50. And I just remember like every label from like Nashville, New York, LA was like, let's, let's have a meeting. Let's have a meeting. And then COVID happened and they were like, let's give it a few weeks and see what happens. Well, realistically, especially as an independent artist, your song is not staying on a viral top 50 chart for longer than a week or two. And by the time that's gone, it's like the opportunity is gone as well. And that was like the greatest realization for me of, okay, I'm on the right path. But like next time when things happen, you just, you have to roll the punches and make it happen quick. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you don't, you're freaking screwed. Yeah. Like, it's like, you, like you, I, I mean, I have, I'm the same way. Cause it's like, you know, when you, I haven't released a podcast in probably like two or three weeks. I'm just like, when you don't, you get, it, it, it affects social media as well. Yes. Because your engagement goes down, you got to reset the algorithm. So it's basically like you're resetting the algorithm, everything. everything. Uh, The key word is like my least favorite word. I hate that word. I know, so much. Almost as much as the C word. (laughs) COVID, if we're we're clarifying. (laughs) Just just clarify. I'm so happy you clarified that. (laughs) So Um, happy you clarified No, it's true. um, It's a love-hate relationship with social media these days. It's all hate for me. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's fair. It's all hate. I love it. Like, I don't. Like, I don't. I don't love social media. And here's the thing: it's not real. Correct. It's not real. And social media has like changed society. Absolutely. To where it's like, oh, it's, it's changed the dating game completely. Uh huh. I can't imagine. I don't even want to experience dating on social media. Ew. Oh no. Right? Ugh. Could you imagine it? Yeah, no. Jeez. It's, but it's, it's, I just don't like social media. I hate it. I hate putting the work into it. There was, I'd rather hire someone to do it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. But at the same point in time, as much as I hate it, I like, I love the creative aspect of it. Yes. There's obviously not much of a creative aspect anymore to socials unless you're like really trying to be creative, but like no one appreciates the creative aspect to it. So if you're creating, to have fun creating, you're doing it because you love it, not because other people are going to realize that there's any effort or thought or anything fun put into it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of yeah. sucks. I mean, it kind of sucks. <laughs> kind of sucks. This is where we're at. That's where we're at. 
So you've been in the town for five years. Yep. Five long, short years. <laughs> Good Lord. Five years. A lot has happened in five years in this town. But what was your first impression? Because did you visit Nashville before you came, before you moved here? I did. So my first, my first trip ever to Nashville was 2009 because my sister won a vocal contest back home that brought us all out to Pigeon Forge to compete in NACMA. Oh, wow. So we were out here because my sister was a superstar at that point. Um, and she is. We, we always laugh. She's like kind of the diva of the family. Just a little bit. Like, I'm the oldest of three. She's the middle child. She's the diva. Oh, she's definitely she's, diva. she's got the middle child. Yeah. Um, and I remember at that point, there was, like, something really cool about Nashville. We were, like, backstage at the Ryman. Little Big Town was playing. Like, all of that. And just got to experience, like, very unique Nashville things that made it really cool at that point for a very, very young girl who, at that point, was in country music because I found, like... Brad Paisley, who was like the guy who got me into it, um, Sarah Evans, Sugarland, like that side of things, and Little Big Town. Um, at that point, they were they were just just getting into things, which is pretty wild to think back to those like early two thousands. Yeah, so you 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 basically got into it when I got into it. Absolutely. Yeah. After growing up through like the Britney Spears, Insync, yeah, Backstreet I, Boys, I was growing. Totally. <laughs> Michael Jackson, the Janet Jackson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Art. Well, can't say his name. I was gonna say his name, but can't say his name. <laughs> Art Kelly's. Yeah. Ushers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I used to. I used to, So yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's cool to have that history of music. I feel like we're kind of on the yeah. same boat of like just loving and appreciating good songs, good artists, good stage shows. Yes. Where I think that was the biggest thing that excited me from going from like heavy pop and like even rock like Nickelback's from where I'm kind of from so like a lot of like pop rock influences and then finding country and falling in love with the songwriting side of country music and then how that pop rock side blended in just made it something like very cool and unique that just reached a whole new audience really that's like country music as we know it now. Yeah. Right? Like. Yeah, it's very progressive. Uh, so here's a question for you. Now you said your sister mm-hmm. was, was one of the singing. Okay. So have you guys written together? Um, okay. So the funny story about that is we've tried many times. Oh, boy. My parents would love. We've also got a younger brother. And I feel like growing up, I think parents always wanted their kids to all do something together. Yeah. Um, they would have loved that. My sister still actually plays on the road with me. Um, she plays like banjo, mm-hmm. guitar. The greatest vocalist ever in terms of like harmonies and all that just had a natural ear all the time as opposed to me. Like I was the sight reading kid. I Piano was my first instrument. I was fantastic at that. Finding a harmony line, not my strong suit at all. Um, but no, she uh, she's, she's something special for sure. And uh it, it's neat growing up with with family who does things. Actually, I will say we've written we've written two songs that have made it to the albums. But the starting days of us writing together, I would go into her room to try and write with her and be like, "Okay, here's my idea. This is what I'm thinking." And she'd say, "Okay," as she's jotting it down, and she'd be like, "No, leave 
and come back in 30 minutes. Like that's my sister. That is my sister. It's like, let me have my thought process and then you can come back and I'll show you what I have for you. <laughs> the true younger sibling. Um, she's brilliant though. I love her. That's amazing. That's amazing. So it's like, so who who started singing first? Who was like, who was musically inclined? Obviously you're the oldest, but. I'm the oldest and being the oldest, I think my parents just threw me into everything possible to keep me busy. Yeah. Um, Like I'm the oldest, the difference between me and my sister is five years. So that's like five years that they threw me into like figure skating, dancing, piano lessons. You figure skating? I figure skated. Oh my God. I ended up being too tall to do anything like doubles wise. So I think we just pulled the plug. I have another Canadian friend who, who, who was like figure skating. No way. Yeah. Oh, now I'm curious who it is. Yeah. I, I think Lim Charette. Oh yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Damn. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's us Canadians. I mean, that, that's the Canadian activities, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's figure skating or hockey, right? Gosh. Good Lord. No, it's, uh, it's all those things that I feel like kept me busy. But I mean, I grew up then like playing saxophone in the jazz band. Like I did a lot of cool things that I feel like aren't considerably cool for kids anymore. You know what I mean? Holy shit. Yeah. No, that's pretty damn cool. I know. Okay, saxophone, okay. I'm still teasing, like, maybe at some point I'll do an album and, like, do, like, a sax feature on it, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You have to. I know. You have it's to. in my blood now. Oh, man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, what was, your, what was your thought process? Like, what, so, because everyone, everyone has a plan when they come to town. Mm-hmm. And clearly that plan always gets derailed. <laughs> <laughs> the plan always gets derailed. Uh, so what was your game plan when you came to town? Okay, well, I'll rewind a little bit to say I had, like, a deal in Canada before coming here. Okay. Was the start of it. So I was signed to a major label deal back in Canada um, for four years, maybe almost five years of that, too. And while I was in that deal, I was always coming back and forth to Nashville because this is where I wanted to write. Whether they wanted me here or not, Right. I was like, this is where... I get my best ideas. As soon as I land from the plane, mm-hmm. I'm like, ideas are in the air. Mm-hmm. Someone told me once that like literally song ideas are just in the air. You just have to reach up and grab them. And that was such a cool thing to hear because I feel like Nashville, because of all the creatives here, it just, it, there's so many, there's so many. There's so many. There's so, and when you have, we, I mean, we have like Pink and Alicia Keys mm-hmm. at Sherrod come to Nashville, right? Totally. Clearly, there's something going on here in Nashville that LA and New York doesn't have. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's also like the parts of this town where, you know, you walk on a Broadway and you're very quickly humbled and you realize you're maybe not as good as you think you are, too. Yeah. It's that whole thing about Nashville where you're originally coming here because you think you're good at what you do. And then you get here and you're like, I'm not as good as I think I am. I need to work even harder. And I love that about Nashville. And that whole sentiment always stayed in the back of my head where I was like, okay, there's going to come a day at some point where I'm going to pick up everything that I have and I'm going to move it here. And that day came where I was like, I need out of this deal. I need to start fresh. I know where I need to be. At that point, I was still living with my parents. So I literally packed up two suitcases of like, whatever band tees I loved and have been collecting over the years um, and like some of my favorite things and literally flew with two suitcases 
and landed in Nashville, moved into an apartment that I saw via FaceTime. I know. I know. It's wild. I did the whole thing. And that was like my first time living on my own. So it was a big like, okay, let's make a splash. Let's try and like fast forward my way through town in a sense. Um, and I created that first album and was like, let's write with everyone possible. Let's have every song be with a different producer. Let's have every song be mixed by someone else. I literally had even like the mastering of all the singles were all mastered by different people. It was the biggest shit show of an album, but because I was like, let's just figure out real quick who my people are and at least get on the right path. And that was the start of things. That was the start. (laughs) How was that start for you? Like, great. What lessons did you teach yourself? What did you learn from that start? I loved the creative aspect of having so many people on that album. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very cool for me to figure out how to make it sound cohesive Mm -hmm. with that many people. But I think I did figure out that Nashville is a very tough town of chasing down people to get things finished. And having a timeline in this town is very difficult to do, especially as an indie artist with zero team whatsoever, where you're like trying to be the nice person, but also trying to be the bad cop a little bit too. Um, So I don't know if I would do that again. I would be, be wary to have a team of like 20 plus people working on your album. I'd say like condense it down a little bit. Pick your people and just like stick to it. And whether it's like a three song EP, six song EP, full album, just dive in and work with a small group of people who you love and who you trust. Easier said than done. <laughs> and especially this time, it's easier said than done because you feel like everyone has to be involved or you try, you try, you try. I feel like this is something I did. You, you try to pick people that know more than you or have more experience than you totally and you try and and, and you try to have them like pick them in different avenues mm-hmm. of things so you like pulling from this one and pulling from this one pulling from that one and it's like all of a sudden it's a clusterfuck absolutely <laughs> yeah no and that's how i felt for like <laughs> two and a half years out of my yeah. five year was just pulling my hair out being like yeah. okay what did we sign up for <laughs> Yeah, that's which leads to my next question. Is like, at what point do you do, do, have you ever had to do like think about like what the fuck am I doing? Like every day. Why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> every single day. I think every single day my mom calls me too, and she's like, you know, there's like also so many other things that you can be good at. <laughs> and my parents are like the most supportive people in the entire world, yeah. but I feel like they like watch me go through, you know spending every single cent in my bank account putting you know everything I've earned back into making music and seeing how like low I ride it sometimes and then like the highs and the lows and the like trying to figure this whole thing out Mm -hmm. um but like you do it because you love it I always say like it's like I'm living in a reality tv show yeah I think the entire music industry is reality tv show yeah and I think I think people I always tell people this when they come to Nashville and they want to be an artist or they want to be anything in the music industry is that don't go chasing after money. Right. It's not here. Because it's not here. <laughs> it's not in this business. It's not. No. Unless you become like an even <laughs> I mean, there's even some like radio promotion guys who like been in the game for 27 years and aren't making six figures or barely making six figures. And it's like... You gotta. You, you, it's a it's a passionate base 
business. Mm-hmm. You're not making millions of dollars until like you own a successful company or you're owner of a label or you like you have a top five number or, or a number one hit or totally or booking your ass off. Uh, but it's like if you if you're coming to it and you're like going like I'm gonna be rich and famous, I'm gonna sell arenas <laughs> and stadiums and blah blah blah, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be next to the clubs, no, you're not. If you figure out how to do that, let me know. <laughs> like, please. Uh, I will be the first person to pick up that call when someone figures that out. I would love that. Give me the, give me all the details. Wait, wait. No, wait, no, no, it's not like that. It's, it, it is a passionate business. And I think when you have that passion, you don't, and my parents, my, my girl and my, and my mom all worry about me. Mm-hmm. The same way your favorite worries about you, about your bank account. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, this is what I love to do. Yeah. I've had my girl say, you know, um, the post office is hiring. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then it's like, then I'll send my girl, I'll be, I'll be like, well, you want me to want me to be a post office, a postman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? I mean, they get great benefits for the government. Right, you know I have to pay right. to apply for that job, right? With what money? Right, right, yeah, exactly. Are you, are you funding this? I mean, I'll take it if you're funding it. That's wild. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it, maybe it is just cheaper working in music. <laughs> it's like thirty. It's like thirty-five dollars to apply. Okay, so a cheaper than making your first single. Okay. All right. All right. Perfect. But there's a way, there's ways around you to get to use your single for free at some point. That is true. If you have like great relationships, this yeah. is based on relationships. So like, you know, you get a good quality single with absolutely relationships and giving someone writer credit or and masters. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we, uh, we talked about you moving here. Did you learn how to write? Like what did you have to learn how to write with co-writers? Okay, so my first album ever was literally every single song but one was solo rights. And like I said, like I kind of just learned from Brad Paisley. I would sit and listen. The first songs I ever wrote were comedic country. I know. I know. I see your eyes wide open right now. And no, I'm not sharing any of these songs ever. But like, I might show you. Yeah, yeah, I'll show you. Um, But like, that's what I like loved. I dove into country music and found country music. And Brad Baisley specifically was like the one where I was like, these songs are just so brilliant. The way he like turns ideas. And it was cool to listen to that specifically and start learning how to write. So my first whole album was songs I wrote by myself just for the sake of like, okay, how can I pitch these songs that I've written just to get co-writes, especially living back in Canada and, and Edmonton specifically. It's not like it's Toronto where you have a bunch of music industry people. Right. Like it was around, but not well enough. So it was like, okay, how do I do this? Right. So I just want to create an album for the sake of showing people in Nashville that I could at least write a song. I had an idea of how to do so. Um, maybe some help learning a little bit. I mean, I still need help learning. You know what I mean? That's the cool thing about this town is you never stop learning. Who's been your biggest teacher? Okay, we've only written a couple of times, but um, Thomas Archer okay. is like one of the people where I feel like I sat in a room with him and I came out better because of it. 
He's just brilliant. That's, I mean, that's that, that's something you you generally don't find. I mean, like you don't find it generally in in, in national words, like because you have a lot of you have a lot of the writers, and it's not knocking any writers, but yeah, you have a lot of the hit writers who just write with hit other hit writers. They don't write with people unless they have a deal or or a publishing deal. The publishing company puts them together, right? They, you know, um, so it's like you don't have writers writing with people on that are not on their same level resume wise. Absolutely. You know, and so it's like, that's kind of a big deal. That's why I asked the question. That's a big deal to have. Yeah. And I don't even know how I looked into that one, but like, <laughs> cause that's the thing I feel like even now, like taking meetings for publishing deals and all that people are like, who do you write with? And I very quickly learned when I moved to town and not to slight any of those hit writers mm-hmm. because they're hit writers for a reason. Correct. They're good at what they do. Correct. Um, but I very quickly found that my way of learning and being better myself was to find cool up and coming people and working with those people who had something cool and different to offer, who were interested in showing up in a room, coming in with ideas, and you know, like wanted to work for it versus like walking into the room with some of the bigger guys where it's like, I'm just a small fish at this point. No one really gives a shit. Right. Like at some point maybe, but it's still at the point where also when you're good at what you're good at, you come in and you just consistently do that. Right. Which I hope that one day I get to the point where it's like I go into a room and I know what I bring to the table and I just consistently do that. But at the same point, I love up and coming artists and writers in town who walk into a room and they just throw things at the wall and take chances with things. And I'd rather take a risk, I think, than just like consistently come in and know it's like, it's fine. It'll do the trick. So who's the thing? Talk about upcoming up up writers. Who's the upcoming writer that you love writing with? Joe Towns. Do you know I Joe? I love Joe. Joe's one of my favorite I love Joe. So I met Joe. My old co-host used to manage Joe. Damn. Um, I love Joe to death. Joe is such a good dude. Um, I manage his friend, Lydia Dahl. Yes. We love Lydia too. Lydia, yeah. So it's like I met I met Joe. So Joe was being managed by my co-host, and I'm like, "Huh, Joe's Joe's good." So he said, "He said, let me help this girl over here." And mm-hmm. Lydia is killing it. I will give her that. She she is. She's killing it. I feel like there's. I I might be wrong on this, but I feel like I'm pretty much right. I feel like there's no one in town who has as many cuts as Lydia. Like, I'm, I'm pretty solid, I think, I'm guessing on that. I'm not mistaken. I think we're at 75, 76. Yeah. Minutes. Yeah. She's doing good. She's doing good. She just wants a pub deal so bad. I'm just like, girl, at this point, you might as well just wait. You might as well just wait. Because someone's going to hit a big that you're writing with. That's the one thing that I've learned in this town. It's like, you can be ready for something, but, the but it might not be ready for you. Yeah. And that's yeah, the whole that's, thing. You just like, you keep hustling and doing your thing. That was the thing when I moved to town. I was like, I'm not rushing to get a deal. I just came out of a deal. I know what it's like. I know that I chased down a lot of people to fix things and change it to make sure it was exactly what I needed it to be. And I was like, I'm fine if I sit in this town and just do my own thing. As long as I can fund what I want to do and then 
make that music for the fans and it finds fans and then get on the road to those fans, I'm happy. You know, here's the thing. You keep telling people, you don't need a record deal until you need a record deal. Yeah. And and what I mean by that, I mean, you look at guys like Spencer Crandall. Mm-hmm. He's going to need a record deal. And I tell, I, I tell him this all the time. <laughs> he's going to need a record deal. And this is nothing against him because he's been, he's been quite successful with what he does. And it works. But you will never have a number one hit. No. Without a record company. Absolutely not. Not a chance. I know. You will never have a number one hit without a record company. And until like you want that as a goal... Eventually, everyone wants that as a goal. Everyone wants that number one hit. Everyone wants their paycheck, totally. which is which is all fine, well and good. But do you? And then when it's time, then you get whatever deal you want. Yeah, and you'll know that time is the time where you literally can't handle things anymore. Yep. And I feel like that's like every step of the career, whether it's management, publishing, whatever. Like you hit the point where you're like, I can no longer handle this on my own. And unless you were riding that line of like. I don't know if I'm mentally sane anymore. <laughs> you're not at the point yet. And that's what I just keep telling myself. It's like you wake up every morning and you're like, okay, how far can I push this today? Mm-hmm. As long as we get to like close to like mentally unstable, we're fantastic. fantastic. We're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so it's positive. So it's so good. It's so, Being music. <laughs> quit your jobs. Quit your jobs. Quit your jobs. <laughs> But this, I mean, this is the, this is the real shit that goes on in the industry. It's like it's not like we're not bashing anyone. It's just, no, it's just part of it. It's it's not. It's a cutthroat game. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about being humble. I came to try to be a songwriter. Damn, I was humbled really, <laughs> real quick. Yeah, real quick. I did have a hold, and then I was like, okay. I woke up that day and I went to a write, and I wrote with someone who's still a friend of my dick to this day and he doesn't know this. He's built a podcast but I wrote with him and I'm like yeah, I'm, I suck. <laughs> Don't know how I got that hold, but I suck. I love that. And I'm like yeah, I'm done. Let's go on the business side of things. <laughs> Incredible though. No, but it's, it's a real life experience, you know? And you have to have tough skin. That's the one thing if you are, I will be the first to say that like out of the past like three to four years I've cried numerous times over those years but it's like you snap out of it you get back into action and you start hustling yeah. again yeah I can't tell you how many times I've had phone calls where it's like I'm giving up mm-hmm. I'm done like this shit is not working I applaud the fact that you've had those phone calls because I feel like if I were to call anyone at this point and say that I was giving up they'd be like who are you? Like, who's who's calling me? That's that's weird. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I I used to. I mean, I've had two. I've had I've two of my closest friends. They have talked me off the ledge. I've called and was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, yeah. I've had mental breakdown. The mental breakdown. I can't fucking feed myself. Like, I'm mm-hmm. done. Now something's good's gonna happen. Something's good gonna happen. Okay. And then it's like something's good happens and then like you're back to where you're at. Totally. And it's so it's just like, okay. You every once in a while I got, like I, I purposely took off of work this this CMA fest. Uh-huh. Because Smart. because it was so I've been so you, you get you get so jaded with 
industries. Totally. And industry bullshit. And it's like, I just, I'm just going to go as a fan. Mm-hmm. Industry, my, by itself, why I do what I do. It's so funny that you say that because I literally, oh, I hate saying this because it sounds really bad to say this, but I was almost like kind of shit talking CMA Fest <laughs> before CMA Fest where I was like, ah, whatever, whatever. It's just going to be a bunch of tourists in Nashville and you're not going to be able to go anywhere and it's hot and it's whatever, whatever. I went to go see the CMA Fest did that like Hulu special. I went to the premiere of it the Monday before CMA Fest. Mm-hmm. And I walked out of there a totally different person because it just reminds you that like, this is such a cool thing that Nashville has. Like Nashville in general is just a very cool spot where people get to come and they get to be closer to music and artists and songwriters than you can be anywhere else. Right. And it's wild to me how quickly I forgot that coming to town because to me, it just feels like I'm working in, an office building right. in any city doing what I'm supposed to be doing. To me, it's like, oh yeah, someone's paying me hourly to do this. Yep. I'm doing it because I love it, but it still is a job at some point. Yeah. But then you very quickly remember that like the fans have such a cool, cool reason to be here and experience. And it's something more special than really anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's crazy. It's like, Actually, it's, it's this very dramatic effect. I took a step back. Yeah. I took a step back from my, my friends and just like, I forget who, who it was was playing. Oh, it was Jelly Roll. Okay. I love that. He, he had just played, he had just played the stadium. And I took a step back and he got the standing ovation. And I was like, okay, that's why I'm in this business. Yeah. That's why, because whatever he is doing to connect with these people, it's fucking working. Totally. And people are loving it. Mm-hmm. And there's people behind the scenes that people, like these people don't even see that are getting fulfilled because they're getting their reaction for hell. Absolutely. So it's like, that's why we're doing what so, that's why we do what we do. Well, to loop that back into socials, I feel like him and Bunny are the two that are like, He's very real. Yeah. Like everything they post, I'm like, this is not, they're, they're not doing five takes to get it right. No. It's, n- it's none of that. It's just an opening into their lives, which everyone is so scared to do for some reason. Yeah. No, I don't understand. Here's the thing. I think society and social media has also gotten into where it's like, if you, at least it influences, if you're not like living the highlights yeah. of things and it's like, oh, I'm not successful. Oh, I'm not. You can be a janitor and still be successful in your life. Totally. As long as you can put food on your table and have a house to live in and you pay your bills on time, you're successful. But why is it that I feel like, I mean, even I went to go and post a, because I haven't posted, gosh, in weeks. Because I, I just hate it. I there's, hate there's, it. there's a pressure behind yeah. posting. Um, and I went to go and look through photos that I've taken the last couple of weeks for like a photo dump. I am gotten into this whole thing of just trying to live and not take photos of things and just live and enjoy and kind of go off the grid a little bit and then you realize that it's like I have nothing to post you still it's such a weird situation of being present but like not just being present also being present on Instagram right which is 
wild to me. Yeah. Like I miss the days of like growing up and like riding my bike outside and telling my mom I'd be back later and her not knowing if I was ever going to show up, you know, like how, those were the days. Yep. It's, it's insane. I told you, it's insane how much social media has changed society. Yeah. And the way we think. And it, we, we, we take, I feel like society, I do it, I'm guilty of it too. We take things, we take life for granted. Mm-hmm. We take life for granted where it's like, oh, I gotta capture this. Oh, I gotta capture this person's <laughs> thing. It's like, just live in the fucking moment. Yeah. Certainly. Live the moment. So let's talk about, talk about moments. You just released a new song. I did. Called a lot of Eight for, Eight for the Bear. Mm-hmm. With Mr. Troy Cartwright. How did that come about? How did the whole song come about? Because I... You talk about Joe Towns. Joe is, Joe's a co-writer on it. Joe's amazing. Yeah. So, okay. Long story short, "And for the Beer" was the first song that I wrote this year. Okay. With Joe Towns and um, Fran Latursky, and they're just they're amazing people. Amazing people together. I came into the room stressed out. The first rate of the year is always a tough one. Mm-hmm. I figured it was going to be a life song because I had nothing. I just like looked at my phone. I came back from all my Christmas breaks and I was like, I don't know. I've got, I've got nothing. I've got titles that are fine. They're not great. Um, and Fran walked in and after me pitching out all my ideas, she was like, well, I've got this title eight for the beer, but I think it's for a guy. And I was like, no, that is actually for me. <laughs> and then rewind a little bit more because in the back of my brain since um, I think it was May 2020 I walked into a room to sing vocals on one of Troy's demos that was supposed to be for a duet which the song actually ended up getting cut and it's a Nickelback cut on this new album Um, but it's this song called Horizon and I sang on, on it to do the female parts and I remember like in my ears being like wait we sound really good together and I had never done like a feature cut at this point so in the back of my brain I've told Troy this like over the years at some point there's going to be a song and I'm going to want you on the song so after we wrote this song I shouldn't even say after literally in the middle of the session I was like we should write verse two to be a male because I think this is a duo and if it's a duo it's gonna be Troy on the song and all of it like I literally I wrote the song with the idea in the back of my brain that Troy was gonna be on the song which is wild to me it's a little crazy it's a little kooky um especially because after we wrote the song and got the demo I didn't even send it to Troy I was like I'm gonna send it to my producer first see if he thinks I'm crazy and he was out of all the songs I sent in the Dropbox that day he was like for the beer we must cut that that is a must cut and then he was like who do you think is the other voice and I was like well it has to be Troy <laughs> like I had like other options if it wasn't Troy but in my brain it had to be Troy um so we got to the point where we were close to being done the song and Eric was like have you asked Troy yet and I was like no like I was scared as hell <laughs> I was so scared um because I mean Troy's been killing it yeah Troy's been absolutely killing it and my reasons to have Troy in the song was not because he was killing it it was because I'm obsessed with Troy uh-huh. vocally music wise love Troy um so I asked Troy to sing on the song 
we had to have it out to mix the next week because Eric was leaving. And so Troy is saying it was the Friday of Key West. Well, I was in Key West. (laughs) Troy was singing the second half. And honestly, that was the most amazing way it could have worked out because I think I would have been nervous as hell being in the room that day. Like, almost trying to micromanage a little bit, being like, I think you should sing on this part and this part and this part. And it was just the greatest feeling of, like, knowing where the song was at with my vocals on it. And then while in Key West, very drunk at midnight, getting, like, the first mix of, like, this is just, like, a quick clip of what I put together of Troy's vocals and being like, oh, yeah, no, this is it. This is it. So cool. I love that guy. I love him, Eric Argus, who's been producing it. It's just been fun. This has been a really fun record to make. I'm going to say, have you you been having fun? Yeah. For, like, the first time in a long time where I feel like I'm a big micromanage person myself. Mm-hmm. It's been so wonderful to just, especially having Eric Arges produce this project, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, here's the songs. What do you, what do you think? I trust you. Because my whole thing of finding Eric too is I would load up like New Boots or Next from Nashville on Spotify literally every single Friday for almost a year, and I would listen to every single song on the playlist. Mm-hmm. And then I would pick through whichever songs I liked and go and look at the credits and see who produced them to be like, is this, these are the ones that will be a fit for me. Mm-hmm. One of the names that always showed up was Eric's name. And I was like, okay, well, there was literally only two names on my list of people that I would trust with my project. And Eric was the first one. And I met with him and I was like, yeah, no, this is the person I trust. And it's so nice when you have someone to trust in your quarter like the whole thing about Nashville is just, you know, finding your champion. Finding your champion, finding your team surrounding yourself with them. Totally. And this was like the first time in a long time that I found that. And over this whole process of making this entire album, I'm just like reminded that I'm, I'm with really good people and it feels really good. As long as you're having fun, what can go wrong? Mm-hmm. Literally nothing. Literally nothing. I say that, and then you go to Tim Roof, and then shit happens. <laughs> but literally, nothing can, nothing can go around when you're having fun. Yeah. And if you keep having fun doing it, then it doesn't feel like it's a job. It doesn't feel like it's a, it doesn't feel like a nine to five or something you're stressed out about. You're like, okay, wheels are turning. Totally. Everything's moving forward. Well, I'm at the point where I'm making music for me. Yeah. And if people like it, that's awesome. And that's where I think you find your true fans and your true people and supporters and all of the fun things. Mm-hmm. It's just about doing things you love. No, absolutely. And it's, and it's be, be real. Yeah, totally. Be real. So um, what's next? I need to finish this album, which is great. This is the first year ever where I've had music ready to go before like crunch time which is so exciting for me. Um, I've got a full album coming later this year. We've got another like three or four songs that are ready to go. We shot two music videos last week. I'm like... You shot two music videos last week? I shot two music videos last week. In one week? In one week. Literally the day after the day. You're nuts. No, I'm insane. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm willing to say that, but you have to be to be doing this. <laughs> I just want to confirm, you have to be insane. You have to be insane. Um, no, so I'm just... I'm. Rolling with the punches and seeing where things take me, and we'll see. Any more collaborations? 
Um, well, I'm I'm hoping at some point there's going to be a Brad Paisley collaboration. I just keep throwing that out to the world now. I'm just like I I really want. Do you have connections with him? No, I mean probably. I mean somewhere probably. I really want. I just want Brad Paisley on a song to just like round up my whole like country music history. You know what I mean? I don't know. I love Brad. I love Brad. Brad and I. Brad. My era was Brad, Kenny, Tim. Oh, those are good ones. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Those were my era. Sarah Epps is in my era. Sugarland was there. And Little Big Town. That was my era of what got me. Keith Urban. Yep. That's what got me in the country music. And honestly, like, I, I feel like we need a little more of that again. We do. We do. So, like, Brad, if you're listening, please send me a message, because yeah. I would love to have you on a song, and we'll just, we'll do it all over exactly. again. Exactly. So, this has been fucking phenomenal. This has been fun. This has been a great hang. <laughs> this has been a great We need to do this more often. Know, right? <laughs> this has been another episode of a Spoiler Section podcast. I want to thank Ali for coming. Oh, Canada. No. <laughs> just kidding, just Thank kidding. you for having me. This has been amazing. I'm so glad we get to hang out. I know, me too. We need to do it again. We will. Following her everywhere. Instagram has got to be Ollie. You know it. Swords is your podcast. Follow us everywhere. This has been another episode. See you guys later. From Calcite de Monte Cristo in Nashville, you are listening to The Smoking Section.